Bakersoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred and Elsie, Episode 13 Mildred's charity, beginning at home, did not end it there. Very earnestly and persistently, she strove to scatter blessings as a shower of gold wherever she went, to make every life that came in contact with hers, at ever so small a point, the better and brighter for that contact, though it were by but a cheery word or smile. Did you say these are small matters, scarcely worthy of attention? Ah, to each of us comes the divine command, be pitiful, be courteous. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. It was so with Mildred, never considering herself off duty as a Christian soldier, she was as ready to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, teach the ignorant, and nurse the sick as to bestow the word and pleasant smile that cost her nothing. Nothing? Ah, there were times of weariness and depression when even these trifles cost a heroic effort, a determined setting aside of selfish inclination to moodiness or irritability or indulgence in a pleasing melancholy, because one great earthly blessing was denied her. In this her bright, cheerful mother, always ready with a word of counsel and encouragement, was a wonderful help. Indeed, by frequent precept and constant example, Mrs. Keith succeeded in making all her children, to a greater or less degree, sunny-tempered and benevolent, kind and courteous. The Dorcas Society connected with their church had no more active, efficient, or liberal members than this good lady and her eldest daughter. In proportion to their ability, they gave freely of time, labor, and money. They were indeed always found ready to every good work, though they trusted not in their works for acceptance in the sight of God, but only in the atoning blood and imputed righteousness of Christ. Followers of God, as dear children, theirs was a service of love and joy, rendered not that they might be saved, but because they were saved. Questions of doctrine and duty were freely discussed in the family circle, the children bringing them in all confidence to their parents for decision, the parents always appealing to the scriptures as the one infallible rule of faith and practice, as they are in very truth. One Sunday, a returned missionary preached in the morning to Mr. Lord's congregation, and the afternoon addressed the assembled Sunday schools of the town. The Keefs came home from the latter service very full of what they had heard of the sad condition of the heathen world, the need of money to carry on the work of evangelizing them, and the self-denying efforts some of God's children, both old and young, were making to earn and save that they might be able to give to this good cause. Cyril had been especially interested in the story of a little boy who had raised a pig, sold it, and given to the missions the whole of what he received for it. I mean to have a missionary pig, Cyril said to Don as they walked home together. I'll take good care of it and feed it well so it will be very fat so that I can get ten dollars for it 
and every son of it shall go to the missionaries, and I'll make more besides for them out of my garden and my chickens. So will I, said Don, but I shan't let them have all the money. How much then? I don't know yet. I'm afraid it won't do for all of us to have pigs, said Ada, overhearing the talk of her little... No, laughed Zilla. We'd overstock the market and bring down the price. I don't see what I can do then, except give some of my pocket money, unless mother will pay me for doing without butter and tea and sugar, as some of the children do, that the missionary told about. That's too hard a way, said Cyril. You won't catch me trying that. I'll work for the heathen, but I won't starve for him. It would be hard, but we ought to deny ourselves, Ada returned, half regretfully. Yes, and something, Zilla said. I don't feel sure about this. We'll ask father and mother. They did, so immediately, on entering the house. Your mother and I have just been discussing that question, Mr. Keith said, and we think that as good nourishing food is necessary to your health and growth, it is not a duty for you to deny yourself such common comforts as butter and sugar. There are other and better ways in which to practice self-denial. How, Father? asked Ada. It might be by denying our love of ease, working and earning for the good of others, when we would rather be at play. The Bible speaks of laboring, working with our hands, that we may have to give to him that needeth. And who more needy than the poor benighted heathen, sighed Mrs. Keith. It won't hurt us to deny ourselves in the matter of finery, remarked Mildred. Or eating more than enough to satisfy our appetites just because it tastes as good, added Rupert. Oh, that is right, said his father. But haven't we a right to eat what we please and just as much as we choose if we would rather be sick than do without the good things, father? asked Cyril. No, my son, health is one of God's good gifts which we have no right to throw away. We can't serve him with a sick and suffering body so well as with a strong, healthy one. Father, does God want us to give all our money away to other folks? asked Don. No, son, not all. Our Heavenly Father intends us to use some of it to supply our own needs. What proportion ought we to give, Father? asked Rupert. I think that depends upon how large our means are. Give as God has prospered you, said Rupert. Yes, we are to give as God has prospered us. Fine. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and barely thou shalt be fed. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. There are not all; These are not all the taxes bearing on the subject, but will suffice for the present. Father, said Don, God doesn't need our money, does he? Why does he tell us to give it to him? For our own good, my son, don't you remember Jesus said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. He cannot be happy who indulges a mean, sordid disposition. The less selfish we are, the more ready to help others and share our good things with them, the happier and the more like our Heavenly Father we shall be. Try it, my boy, and you will find it is so. And the more constantly we practice giving, the more we shall be in love with it. And then shall our gifts be pleasing to God, added the mother. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I am very glad I can earn something by teaching music, said Mildred. I think you can each find some way of earning something for this good purpose, the mother said, glancing smilingly around the little group. Cyril told eagerly of his plan. Don added that he meant to have a missionary pig, too, but not to give all that he made on it. You must decide for yourself whether to give more than a tenth of its price, his father said, but I think missionary pig will hardly be an appropriate name unless it is entirely devoted to the cause. Mother said, Fan, wouldn't it be nice for me to call one of my hens a missionary hen and give all the money I get for her and her eggs to the heathen? Yes, dear, I think it would be very nice, Mrs. Keith answered with a loving glance into the earnest little face. Then I'll do it, and I hope she'll lay an egg every day. And I'll have a missionary hen, cried little Annis, clapping her hands with delight at the idea of contributing her might to the good cause. Ada and I haven't matured our plans yet, said Zilla, but we'll be sure to find some way to make money as well as the rest of you. Mother will help us to contrive it, won't you, Mother? Ada said with a look of confiding affection. The answer was prompt, emphatic, yes indeed, my dear. But Mr. Keith seemed to have something further to say, and all turned to listen. We want to give the missionary some money today or tomorrow to carry away with him. Who has any ready now? Cyril's countenance fell. He was a great spendthrift, and money slipped through his fingers almost as soon as it came into his possessions. My pocket money's all gone, he sighed, half aloud, half to himself. Then, in nudging his younger brother, Don, you always have some. Won't you lend me a little? No, said Mr. Keith. You're not to go into debt, even from a good motive. After this, set aside the Lord's money as soon as it comes into your hands, and use that portion scrupulously for him in giving to the church and the poor. And my son, I want you to form the habit of laying by little for your own future needs. You will be a poor man if you spend all your money as fast as you get it. I don't, remarked Don complacently. I say most all I get. Ah, yes, my boy, I know that, and often feel troubled about my youngest son, lest he should become a hard, grasping, miserly man, loving and hoarding money for its own sake. Do you know that that is as truly idolatry as the bowing down of the heathen to images of wood and stone? Is it, father? murmured the little lad, his face crimsoning and the tears starting to his eyes. It is indeed, Don. And so, a worse fault than Cyril's foolish spending, bad as that is. The Bible bids us mortify covetousness, which is idolatry. Try both of you to save in order to have to give to him that needeth, and to provide things honest in the sight of all men. We must first give to the Lord, then to our fellow men, what we honestly owe them. After that, give to the needy what we feel able to spare from our store, not pull down our barns and build greater, there to bestow our surplus goods, while we take our ease, eat, drink, and be merry, and neglect to relieve the distress and suffering of the poor and needy. Like the rich man in the Bible, said Fan. Father, was he a very bad man? Probably not what the world calls bad. We are not told that he was dishonest, drunken, 
or profane, but he was selfish and covetous, caring for the good things of this world and neglectful of eternal things, and selfishness is sin as well as covetousness. They seem to go together and shut the soul out of heaven. The Bible says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I thought coveting was wanting other people's things, remarked Ada. That is coveting, replied her father, and so is that inordinate love of gain which leads men to drive hard bargains and to heap up riches at the expense of leaving those to suffer, whom they are fully able to relieve. When the Lord gives us large means, it is that as his stewards we may attribute to others. Well, Rupert, what is it? I have the money I have saved towards buying a piano. I will give a tenth of it now. That is well. Who else has anything for the missionary? I have a little of the pocket money Aunt Wealthy supplies, Mildred said. I wish I could give more now. I hope to when the money comes in from my music scholars, but that will not be for some time, you know. I haven't much money, said Fan, but maybe I can sell my eggs. I have a whole dozen. I'll give some of my money, said Don. And I, and I, said Zilla and Ada. Mrs. Keith also promised something, and Mr. Keith added that he, too, would give, and they would collect it all and hand it to the missionary before his departure, which was to be the next afternoon. Father, is it right to pray for earthly prosperity? asked Rupert. That depends very much upon the motive. The Apostle James says, Ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask, and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. It is not the asking, he condemns. He seems indeed to reprove them for not asking, but the wrong motive for so doing. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. In Deuteronomy we are told, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. We may work for prosperity, and we may pray for it, from either a right or a wrong motive, and certainly in either case we are approved, on the contrary, according to the motive that actuates us. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. What would be a right motive, Father? asked Ada in her grave, earnest way. The desire to have the ability to provide things honest in the sight of all men, to help on the Lord's cause, the work of the church, and to give to the poor and needy. Many desire wealth for their own ease and indulgence, for the consequence it gives them in the eyes of their fellow men or as a means of gaining power over them. It cannot be right to pray for it from such motives. That is the sort of asking the apostle condemns. Mrs. Keith was turning over the leaves of the Bible. Let the Lord be magnified who hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. She read aloud, What the Lord takes pleasure in, and what he promises upon conditions, it cannot be wrong to ask for, unless from a wrong motive, she remarked. And it is clear to my mind that it, if it be wrong to pray for prosperity, it is also wrong to work for it. Certainly a Christian should never engage in anything upon which he cannot ask God's blessing. But we are commanded to be diligent in business, and told that the hand of the diligent maketh rich. 
Yes, said her husband, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. If we are careful not to separate these two which God hath joined, we need not fear to ask his blessing on our labors. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic.